Hello, my name is Jacob Lau, and this is my um, cultural autobiography. I chose to do this in a podcast form because I'm the type of person who's a lot more comfortable about talking about something and saying the words out loud rather than typing it out. I feel like I'm more raw and natural whenever I'm just talking as opposed to if I'm typing something out, I'm trying to make it sound all professional, which while it should be professional, this is an autobiography, so it's about your true self. And my true self is I'd rather sit down and have a conversation with you rather than um, type a paper. So um, before this class, I did consider myself um, not necessarily culturally diverse, but aware of other cultures. I always have a motto to respect all other people regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, culture, all those other details. I always consider myself a culturally sensitive um, person. I get uncomfortable around like racist jokes. I don't say any myself. I, um, whenever... Cringe a bit whenever I listen to music like on the radio and those um, insensitive words come on. But yeah, I um, stray away from those words. I feel uncomfortable around those words because they're not really meant for me. So I've always just considered myself a pretty um, culturally sensitive person who's aware of other people. So... When we started this class, the first thing we talked about was um, an introduction to multicultural education. And in this, we really talked about um, our own multicultural education, or lack thereof. And for me, it was definitely a lack thereof. I went to um, a private Catholic school, so most of my classmates were Catholic, most of my teachers were Catholic. Most of the school was white, upper-middle-class students. We did have some diverse students, and we also had a really strong foreign exchange student program, which was kind of cool. But for the most part, most of the people I went to school with were pretty much the same as me. White, upper-middle-class, Catholic um, students. I always um, knew that in the classroom there needed to be some multicultural education because we're no longer living in a time period where everyone's going to be exactly like you. We have people... We're America. We're the United States. We're one of the most diverse countries on the planet, on Earth. And you can no longer get by just being around people like you, whether you like it or not. And hopefully you do like it because it's a genuinely enriching and awesome experience to get to know people of different races, cultures, ethnicities, backgrounds, and all that. (coughs) Whether you like it or not, you're going to be dealing with those types of people in everyday life. And that's part of the beauty of America. So if we can start our students out young... By getting them that multicultural education they need, that will be very beneficial for them. A lot of times, these students they aren't born biased. Their biases come from their parents, their family members, 
people around them. So they kind of watch their family members. So it starts with the family. And a lot of times you, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, that um, expression is actually um, very false whenever it comes to um, cultural diversity because it's constantly changing. And we need to hold the parents of the students accountable also. Um, one thing that, like, my school personally did for this was we had, um, like, second grade, we had, um, a, like, bring your grandparents to school day, and, like, we got to see some of the different cultures, and, well, that's only on, like, the surface level, the Bennett framework, it's still better than nothing, and it's about getting those fun activities, getting the older generations involved, so hopefully the students will be more receptive to students of other cultures. So I've said the word culture a lot. What exactly is culture? Well, as a class, we kind of came up with, like, this definition of culture. We had culture as um, a person's, like, uh, a modulation. I think that's a, a simulation Basically, a person's, like, religion, race, ethnicity, background, even stuff like their language, their food they eat, all that combines together to make this um, a person's culture. And these cultures need to be um, really respected because all of these students from different cultures will have a different way of doing stuff. So as a teacher in a classroom, you have to be aware of your student's culture. For me personally, my culture is typical, like, middle, upper middle class, um, like, Ohioan culture. Like, I eat typical food around here. Like, I have, like, cheeseburgers, chicken tenders, that type of stuff. That's, like, my food. We have, like, so my grandparents... On one side, they're Italian. On the other side, they're Polish. So that's uh, they were both born. Both sides were born in America. But those are like some of the foods we have. Like we have a lot of um, lasagna and pasta. We eat a lot of like Polish sausage and kielbasa. And yeah, but like I have aunts and uncles. Like my uncle on my mom's side married a Filipina woman so like whenever we go there we have um like egg rolls and lumpia and all these filipino foods and i find that food really yummy i used to hate it as a kid and i remember as terrible as it sounds like whenever we had lumpia for dinner me and my sisters we wouldn't enjoy it at all so we'd barely eat any of it like my parents would sneak out after dinner to like get us some chicken nuggets from mcdonald's which is like really embarrassing but we tried our best to eat it but it's just an acquired taste and it's not something we were used to we only um had it maybe twice a year whenever we saw that family member Something else is about culture is my uncle, he actually lives in Japan. He owns a vineyard in Japan. He married a Japanese woman, and they have, um, I guess, a half-Japanese daughter who, um, since they live in Japan, she speaks very little English. So every time um, they come here for, like, a holiday, 
it was always hard to communicate with her. We had to use those like nonverbal communications or like some basic English that she knew. But we still end up having a good time just because there's so much you can do to communicate with someone other than simply talking to them. There's nonverbal communications. You can hug them. We would pl- build sandcastles together at the beach. Um, she like taught us how to count to ten in Japanese. It was really cool. And obviously the Japanese food that um, her mom would make was delicious. So after um, talking about our own cultures and um, just culture in general, like what is it? We talked about um, how culturally competent teaching is super important in the classroom. And I already kind of touched on this when I mentioned how your students after school, they're going to be around so many different cultures. So that's why um, culturally competent teaching is super important. But besides for the students, it benefits you as a person because you learn more. You're never done learning, even after we have our degree. Even when we're 80, there's still going to be stuff to learn. When we're 80, we may seem like the old, closed-minded people. That's why it's important for us to keep an open mind to all students and all cultures. I feel like um, a lot... A lot of my teachers in high school, they were not very culturally competent. For example, my religion teacher, like, yeah, she was a sweet person, and I really liked her. But a lot of the non-Catholic students really struggled in that class, and that brought down some of their GPAs because she assumed you already knew this stuff because the majority of the students were Catholic or some type of Christian. So, like, we had a Hindu student... And he always struggled in religion. He graduated valedictorian, but he would always struggle and be like, why am I in this class? This class should be an elective. And he, I just remember he would always struggle with that. We also had um, exchange students in those religion classes. They would always do really bad. They would be upset about... Like, they would be upset about um, how their grades would get lowered because they didn't know this stuff. And they were doing it all while learning a second language. But besides religion, most of the foreign exchange students, the teachers did seem to, like, genuinely try to work with them, genuinely care, try to um, (coughs) help them translate stuff. They all had these, like, translators, and I think that was really helpful for them. So, um, after, so yeah, basically culturally competent teaching is super important in the classroom, and while it wasn't super present in my high school or elementary school, I hope to break that chain and make it present in my high school. So, um, as for modern segregation, we talked about how, um, even though we have ended segregation, have we really? Because now we have segregation in the form of AP classes and tracking a lot of the um, students of color, minorities, those students end up in the lower level classes. While the white, rich, upper class students, they end up in those higher level classes. We have um, private schools also kind of segregating. And we even watched some videos of schools, school districts literally like trying to tear themselves apart and start a whole new city just to get away from those lower class students and that's really insane because 
It's basically saying we don't care about these students. We only care about our top percentage of students who happen to be from like uh, higher socioeconomic status. So that's really unfair because that's taken money away from those lower class students and given it to the upper class students when it should be split equally because they should be going to the same school. And I feel like that's just really unfair to um, a lot of the lower class students because they don't even get a chance because of modern day segregation. So while it's like, oh, we're all integrated now, we're not segregated anymore, are you really? Sure, they're going to the same school, but when they're in completely different classes, getting completely different teachers, we have teachers who literally say, oh, I want to teach the AP and honors classes. I don't want those bad students. Well, there's no such thing as a bad student. You're a teacher, and in fact, you saying you only want the good students makes you a bad teacher. So how's that for you, teachers who are discriminating against lower-level students? So yeah, modern segregation segregation is still very much alive, even though it's technically not allowed. And in fact, um, there we went over a statistic in class that showed that schools were more segregated now than they were like 15 years ago. So there's obviously something going on and something for the worse. Um, let's see. We also um, talked about some myths in defense of multicultural education and how when it comes to multicultural education, um, a lot of people are like, oh, that's like, that's like giving these minority students like an advantage or it's catering your lesson towards them. No, it's catering your lesson towards every single student. Like, there's no... You're not valuing any student more than the other. You're teaching all your students about all these different cultures. So a lot of parents are like afraid of multicultural education because they don't want their students to be around those other cultures, which shows how closed-minded some parents really are. But that's just a myth about it. It's not just about like all these uh, minority students. It's about all your students and helping them understand their culture and their education better. So, um, the first, um, lesson that we taught as students um, with the discussion leaders was about race in American schools. And, um, this lesson was really eye-opening because I was always aware that, like, racism took place in schools and minority students were at a disadvantage. But just to, like, see those statistics was really shocking. So, um, going into my personal experience about, um, race in American schools, so my class, I graduated in a class of, um, 26 plus, um, three foreign exchange students. They got, like, some type of completion degree, but, um, they didn't get to, like, graduate because they were only there for one year. So, out of the 26, my class had, um, um, 21 of us were guys. Five of us were girls, all the girls were white, and of the guys, um, 18 out of the, no, not 19 out of the 20 were, um, Caucasian. So, that just shows, like, how 
racially um, monotone my school was. And it's kind of embarrassing to admit it because, like, you want to think you have this, like, amazing background and my parents pay for that school. And, like, I enjoy, like, I have lifelong friends from that school, so I enjoyed my time there. But it's just kind of embarrassing how, like, non-racially diverse my school was growing up. But, I mean, I guess I couldn't really control that. So, it was really interesting because, um, one of the students, um, of the two non-white students... One of them was black, and the other one was Indian. Like, his parents were actually born in India. So, um, the Indian kid, he, um, his name was Jiten. He graduated valedictorian, top of the class, uh, going to OSU, got a huge scholarship and all that. So, um, we always just, like, assumed he was kind of, like, smarter than us and um i wouldn't do it but all my classmates they would do like they would joke around with him because they were all friends and they would do like an indian accent and like say like oh you you're good at math and all these stereotypes like you're smart and um it was kind of eye-opening because some of the stereotypes like oh indians like are either doctors or they own hotels like his family owned a local motel so a lot of those stereotypes are kind of like reaffirmed even though like he's one he was one of my closest friends in high school and I really enjoy him and I still talk to him occasionally it was just kind of strange how a lot of the stereotypes that like my classmates would say about him would be like true just because of him so I'm not sure if like those stereotypes they got them from him or they got them because those are like the stereotypes about Indians but yeah and the other um, student he was um, black and he was another one of my friends and um, it was it was actually really sad because in a lot of the class we talked to, like, I know in the Native American, which we talked about, we talked about, like, the suicide rate, and he actually, um, ended his life last summer, so that was a really tough time for us, and I wonder how much that had to do with, like, his struggles in school, because I know he had a lot of struggles in school simply because of his race, and he was different with everyone else, but a lot of us were really close with him, and that hit us really hard. So yeah, um, in this chapter we also talked about, um, I remember we watched the This Is America video by um, Childish Gambino, and I thought that video was really good, because it really showed it from their perspective. Like, it's so hard for us to see it through their perspective, because we're just not them, like, we'll... I feel like some of us have the attitude of, like, oh, we'll never know. And some of them even have the attitude of, like, oh, you'll never know. But that video really did put it through the perspective. And we just talked about, like, how um, the graduation rates in schools, like, Native Americans have the lowest, Caucasian students and Asians have the highest, um, Latin, Latinx and um, African American students are also pretty low graduation rates. So it's just really upsetting seeing a lot of these statistics.
So um, then for the out-of-class activity we had to do was the Civil Rights Timeline. And I did mine on Native Americans because that went along with the um, group discussion that I was going to do. And it was it actually really upset me because throughout history, there's so many times when Americans take advantage of Native Americans, whether it's through... Um, well, he wasn't even American, but it started with, like, Christopher Columbus coming down here and, like, colonizing and, like, doing terrible things to all these Native Americans. It started with that. And then, like, the Pilgrims, when they came in, they also were very, like, rude. And then this whole Manifest Destiny thing about, like, oh, how it's our God-born right to take over the Native Americans' land. Like, that was also really upsetting. And then, obviously, that leads to the um, Trail of Tears and all this stuff. And then I found out, like, Native American Native American women in general have, like, the highest, like, misimpersing and homicide rates in America and Canada and the whole alcoholism thing. It just made me feel really crappy for the situation that they've been put in because they were here first. Like, if anything, we're taking over their land, but the American textbooks in history have always um, spun it to be, oh... Like, oh, we're taking our land that's rightfully ours. So um, then after that, the next um, discussion leader presentation we did was on gender. And this gender, like, it's always something that has um, always kind of like, I don't know, like, I've always struggled with not being the most masculine, like, I still enjoy, like, swimming or tennis, but, like, contact sports, like, no, I, I've never really had any interest in playing football, played basketball for a bit, but I didn't really enjoy it, so I would be, I would say I'm kind of fall more, like, on the feminine side of, like, when it comes to masculinity, like, I still identify as a straight cisgender male, but... I've just always never really enjoyed, like, all those, like, manly things like weightlifting or contact sports or, like, drinking beer with friends. Like, that stuff has never really appealed to me. So it has led to some bullying, being called more, like, feminine or um, other words like that. And that's just always um been something that's kind of bothered me but i always just brush it off i don't let it get to me i know myself better than um these people know me i know who i am so yeah this um this chapter on gender and i think a lot of what they said was really powerful like especially for like don't um use like gender neutral toys like there's there's nothing wrong with a boy playing with the princess doll or, like, instead of, like, oh, if you're having a girl, instead of, like, painting everything pink, why don't you paint it, like, I don't know, like, yellow or green or these, like, gender-neutral colors as opposed to, like, you um you have a daughter and the first thing she sees is, oh, my room's pink, so that means this is normal. I need to like pink and girly things. I feel like 
that um, lesson really stood out to me mainly because I've always kind of been non-conventional in like it's not soup like I don't do like makeup I know some guys do like enjoy makeup and that stuff I've never really enjoyed that stuff I just don't really enjoy this super um, hyper masculine stuff so then next we talked about socioeconomic status, and I've already mentioned this before, but I'm um, upper middle class background. My parents had enough to send me to a private school, so we've never really struggled with money. But just being in this area, we're like naturally at lower socioeconomic status than a lot of people from more upscale areas. So I still have some experiences about um, socioeconomic status. For example, whenever I would, like, go away to camp, there would be students from, like, Columbus or other towns in Ohio who live in these upper-class mansions. <coughs> and I would always just feel lower-class than them, even though, like, their parents probably have, like, better-paying jobs. Like, my, I'm thankful for my background because my parents have always done an amazing job providing for me and making sure I've had everything. And... I've always, um, it's been kind of eye-opening lately, especially because, um, since last summer I've gotten a job at Jimmy John's, and uh, around October or September, I became a delivery driver as opposed to in-shop, so I would be, um, delivering to all these lower socioeconomic s status areas, and that's just kind of, like, shocking, like... Because those are the areas where, like, you're kind of afraid to go. So, like, sometimes, yeah, when I have, like, a delivery to a sketchy part of town at, like, t at, like, 9.30 at night, I would get a bit scared. But then I'm like, these people, they're probably good people. They're probably just, like, in bad situations. And it was it's just kind of eye-opening, like, getting to drive around Portsmouth and seeing all these different areas. And... I definitely enjoy it, and something else I found out is that a lot of people, regardless of their socioeconomic status, are kind. Like, whenever I do deliver to, like, a lower-income housing unit, they still give me a tip, and I appreciate it. Just that if they give me, like, a dollar, I know that's difficult for them, so I appreciate it just as much as getting, like, $5 from, like, a doctor or something. So, yeah, that's something that's always really stood out to me so then we talked about um the different ethnicities in public schools so the first one we talked about was um latinx which i actually didn't know what that meant i knew latino and latino but latinx is kind of just like the gender neutral term instead of have to refer to them both so we talked about those students in public schools and we watched some really powerful ted talks and other videos about students and their experiences and it was just kind of cool because in this lesson in particular we didn't just learn about their struggles but we learned a lot about the culture we talked about how important family was like how food was a bonding experience for this culture but we did go over some of the struggles they have in school like they have a really low graduation rate when compared to white students a lot of times um they get bullied and they're kind of, like, thrown out by both, like, um, white students and, like, they're kind of, like, that middle ground between, like, white and African-American students where a lot of those students will bully them 
because, oh, you're not white, but, oh, you're not black. So as crappy as that is for them, and as much as I don't agree with that, they do go through a lot, and they do really struggle. So, yeah, this um, chapter is really eye-opening. I actually haven't... I don't really have any... um. Well, I did have, I guess, in the grade below me, I had a friend who was um, Latino, and I don't think, like, he... He wasn't, like, first generation, second generation, or even third generation. Like, his family's been here for a while, and I think he was only, like, half. So, it kind of just, like, never really occurred to me. But there were the occasional, like, not that I said, but that mutual friends said. Like, the occasional, like, Latino jokes, or, like, he works at Toro Loco now. So, I know people would um, tease him for, oh, you're going to be working at Toro Loco because... You're Latino, so a lot of people tease him for that, but he's cool. He's the type of student who just um, laughs it off, but a lot of students, they could take, like, actual offense to that. The next um, thing we talked about was um, Asian American students in public schools. And like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, one of my cousins, she lives in Japan. She's Japanese. She only speaks Japanese. And I have family from the Philippines also. So I know a lot more about Asian American students than I did about most students from different cultures. So actually, like the first thing that kind of taught me about some like Asian customs were actually in video games. I played and I still play um, the Pokemon games. And those are all from a Japanese company. So there's some like Japanese values and traditions that make their way to the Pokemon games even when they're translated. So I always thought that was kind of cool how like something as simple as a video game can really help teach students a lot about a culture. But that was just kind of a base understanding. Having these um, family members and relatives from Asian backgrounds is... um was the main thing that really taught me a lot about Asian backgrounds and I think what's really interested is how the term Asian American because that's such an umbrella term like there's so many different eight different types of Asians there's Japanese Chinese Vietnamese then there's like that lot then there's like Indian or there's I just think it's really crazy how all these different ethnicities they just get one umbrella term under Asian American kid while that makes up so many different types of unique ethnicities I feel like that's one of the main um, things a lot of Asian Americans struggle with was Oh, you look Asian. Like, no, there's a clear difference between um, how Japanese and Chinese and Vietnamese um, people all look. And a lot of Americans just group them all as Chinese or group them all as Japanese. Well, that's actually pretty dangerous because that's just stereotyping them drastically. Something else that we talked about was the um, concept of shame and how... Um, Asian American students often have like the high scores, highest graduation rates, and it's because 
A lot of times they're under an immense amount of pressure from their families. And while, like, it's good for um, parents to get involved, the teacher needs to know, like, these students are genuinely afraid to fail because if they let their parents down, that will really hurt them. So you need to make sure that as a teacher, you're really... Uh, show them support and tell them that it's okay if they get a B or a C from time to time. And I feel like you just need to really work one-on-one with these students in order to help them get over some of the fears that they have because they they struggle back at home. And a lot of um, Asian Americans also shows that... um, there's, they come from some of the richest families in the in the United States because a lot of times their parents are really hard workers, but you can't just stereotype. And saying stuff such as, like, all Asians are hard workers, all Asians are smart, that just, first off, it's stereotyping them. So even if it's a good thing, it's so offensive. Second off, if you have a student who doesn't think they're smart or doesn't think they're a hard worker... That would just like really discourage them because they'll they'll just be like super upset. Like, why am I not smart? I'm supposed to be smart. So you really need to um, be careful with the language you use and the tropes you use. So after um, that, we talked about some Arab Americans, and um, this group I feel really bad for because I feel like they're some of the most feared people in the United States. When most of them don't even have a reason to be feel fear, they're probably amazing people, and it's mainly because um, when Americans think of terrorists, they think of someone from the Middle East wearing the head accessory and bombing places. When oh, it's just really upsetful because, like in airports, they'll be scanned extra hard just because. Uh, their skin tone and their outfits like in school students will avoid them and what was really um eye-opening was they had us like write a diary journal as if it was just after 9-11 happened that was when um arab american fear was some of the highest it's ever been so just you see like how isolated those students felt and this was even something that they could control they were as innocent of this terrorist attack as all Americans were. They had no idea what was coming. They had no part in it. So it's just a shame that they oftentimes get discriminated. And um, this obviously happens in school also. Like we talked about, um, we talked about a lot of it like in general, but. If it happens in general, it's happening in the school also. School is like a microcosm of society. So then we also, um, my presentation that me and um, Gabe did was over Native American students. And um, I wanted to do this presentation because I've heard about all the things that have happened to them with like Trail of Tears. I feel like a lot of times they're often forgotten because a lot of times it's often about like other student like other minority groups and Native Americans often get left behind so <coughs> that's why I wanted to do this presentation to kind of like bring them some justice and just like 
re-inform myself on some of the things I go through. So what was really upsetting was Native Americans have the lowest graduation rate in the United States. They're about like 20% lower than the graduation rate of white students, which is really mind-blowing. And then something that we went into was how there's a Native American reserve schools, and those schools are like, they get no funding. The one we talked about in the video that we showed, it didn't even have like heat or AC. The students had blankets that they had to wear during the winter. That's ridiculous for a school because all the funding goes into the state schools and yeah, these reserve schools get nothing. They have really unqualified staff. The students are cold and the students are like really encouraged to pursue like college or education after school there. Like, um, they're expected to just return back to the reserve. So, um, what I really liked was we talked about, we showed that one video of like that school that had like the Native American club and that just seemed really beneficial for the students. However, you also have to be careful with that because sometimes it can be on that surface level thing. It can almost seem like you're kind of making fun of them even if that's not your intention. Like, the um, school dance, like, the student who did it loved it, but that was good because he was Native American. But if you ever had a non-Native American student do that, that would be extremely inoffensive. We also talked about the whole alcoholism thing and how um, the suicide rate of Native Americans is extremely high because they just, like, are constantly discriminated against. So it's hard for them to believe that something better is happening so um after that we talked about um sexual orientation and school we watched that really powerful video i think it was called like 1-800 like the suicide hotline number about like this student and he's um gay and all the struggles that he went through and something that really stood out to me from this presentation was a lot of people view sexuality as you're straight, you're gay slash lesbian, or you're bisexual. When this semester really taught me that there's a lot more options. There's pansexual, there's um, like asexual, which means you're not attracted. You don't really have sexual feelings for anyone. There's um, like transgender and all these different sexual orientations. And... It's just kind of like super strange how we're only taught about so few and especially in media like any I remember um, watching like Finding Dory there was like lesbian there were like two moms like at the um, aquarium and everyone was super mad about that or I watched the show Good Luck Charlie and one of the characters had like two moms in that show they only made like a one episode like cameo appearance and I just remember like all the controversy around that so people really complain whenever um sexuality is represented in the media which that's honestly makes me kind of embarrassed because they need that representation 
So for me personally, um, like in school, I didn't really know any um, non-straight or straight identifying like classmates. But I do I did know some from like outside of school, so I can't really comment on like my personal school experiences with them because I went to a Catholic school. So even if someone was having those feelings, they probably would have kept that to themselves in high school, which is really sad. But like I did some theater, I did um some extracurricular activities outside of school, so I know that a lot. I know some, like, bisexual students, I know some lesbians, some some gay um, people in high school. I've never really asked them about their struggles because I just don't really feel like that's my place to ask. Like, if they want to, like, open up to me and talk about that, then, yeah, I'd definitely be a ear. And that's um, definitely how a teacher should be to their students. Like, I'm going to be in early childhood education, but... Some students will know at that age, and I just need to um be in, be listening to that students without crossing my boundaries, and regardless of my personal beliefs, which I don't have any issue with it, so I don't know why I just said that, but I need to just make sure that those students always... <coughs> I just need make sure that those students are always safe in my classroom and I need to realize that they may be struggling with this at home so they shouldn't have to struggle with it at all but especially in my classroom then we talked about um exceptionality and this this lesson was really um I really enjoyed this lesson because um Kat who was doing it she shared about some of her personal experiences which i thought were really profound and um i took um exceptional learning needs with um dr shope last semester and i really enjoyed that class that class taught me like everything about this that i feel like i would need to know like we talked about how we need to work with the parents work with the students and make sure that our classrooms are a safe environment for these students so for language and school, so I actually had a really good language program in school. Starting from um, kindergarten, we took Spanish class. And while um, Spanish class obviously wasn't super in-depth, it was a pretty good class and a pretty good program. And we actually learned a lot about the um, Hispanic culture in there. And yeah, so for me personally, like language in school has always been something that we had we also had a latin class i took spanish though because the main people who took latin were people who wanted to do something in the medical field or pharmacy while anyone else who wanted honors in high school they took spanish so yeah our school actually offered up to spanish five so you could have five years of spanish i only went to spanish three because after spanish because that's what you needed for honors and after spanish three there wasn't enough there weren't enough people for a Spanish 4 class since they didn't really need it anymore. So yeah, my um, Spanish classes were always good. I had that basically kindergarten through junior year of high school. So I consider my Spanish pretty decent. I mean, I'm a bit rusty because I haven't had to really use it. But 
Like, I can understand some stuff. I know how to, like, conjugate verbs and that. Um, but we also, as I mentioned earlier, we had a lot of foreign exchange students. So I feel like I'm pretty good at that nonverbal communication because, like, facial expressions and that type of stuff, that can communicate just as much as words can sometimes. Even better, because... Your words can lie, but your face, it's kind of hard to lie, like, your, to hide your facial expressions and lie about that. So, yeah, language in school, I've always considered that um, super important. And um, I think bilingual education is, like, something that a teacher needs to make a genuine effort in. And it, I'm definitely going to make an effort in that, like... Even if I'm confused, I'll look stuff up or I'll ask my students because I want to learn more about that also. And um, also, this is kind of off topic a bit, but in the video they showed of that little girl who knew like eight different languages. That's exactly what I want to do with my kids, like my birth kids and my students, I guess, because I want to teach like K through three so they'll still be young enough where they can learn of these languages so I definitely hope to include at least some um, foreign languages in my classroom so religion in school again this was probably what we had the this was one of the main reasons why I think my parents sent me to the school because it was a private um, Catholic based school my mom's Catholic but my dad's actually my dad's Jewish so it was we were already kind of diverse because we had one Catholic parent, one Jewish parent, so we would go to synagogue on Friday nights and then go to Mass on Sunday mornings, and we would celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas in December. So, but yeah, we were raised Catholic because, um, I'm not sure why my parents decided to raise us Catholic and not Jewish. Maybe because my mom was stronger in her religion than my, although they're both pretty strong, so maybe it was more so the area yeah, I think it was probably the area that we grew up in because there's not really a big Jewish community here. There's probably like 10 people that go to synagogue with um, my dad while there's a pretty big like Catholic and Christian-based community here. So they probably did that so we would fit in better, which makes sense. So they sent us to um, a Catholic school. And I mean, I enjoyed my Catholic education because... It was what I was used to, as bad as that sounds. Like, it wasn't something... It wasn't something that um, was super diverse. And, in fact, some of the things... I really disagree with the way that the school did them. For, for example, in high school, we would have, like, an anti-abortion week. Where, in every class, the teacher would have to relate the lesson to, like, an anti-abortion. So, like, we literally had to, like... In math class, this is going to sound insane and like I'm lying, but I swear. In math class, we had to like chart and graph the number of like aborted babies since abortion was legalized and crazy stuff like that. Like regardless of what my opinions are on that, which first off, I'm a male, so I'm never going to personally have an abortion. So I feel like a woman's body, a woman's choice. So that's personally my view on that. So I feel like that's not really my place to comment, but, like, you're a school. You shouldn't – yeah, I get it. We're Catholic-based, and Christians are typically against abortion. 
but we shouldn't be um, having our teachers share their like personal views in a math class. Like this wasn't even religion. This was like in math class we would have to do that. In science we would talk about like some scientific and health effects having abortions and it was just like super crazy and it was one of those things at the time it's like oh whatever it's just oh a week we're going to be doing easier work for this week so you're all kind of excited for that week and we would do something like that like we did um a week on like the death penalty and stuff like that so that type of stuff it was yeah it was just a week and we were kind of excited as crappy as that is because it would be easier work but it's something looking back now and you're like ooh that's not a very good thing to do so yeah that's um basically my religion experience in school it was kind of forced upon me and while I'm still catholic and I still try to always go to mass and I always believe it I feel like sometimes I kind of wish I just went to a public school where I could have been more free to like make my decisions decisions of that stuff all right so um this has been my cultural autobiography i actually really enjoyed um thinking about the words i would say and like typing out a short little script and all that because i always struggle thinking about myself like sometimes i feel like my self-worth isn't very um high so whenever like I have to think about myself, I always kind of get, like, super embarrassed, and I'm like, oh, crap, what am I going to say? Like, that was one of the reasons why I struggled with the, um, what was it called? That was one of the reasons I struggled with the poem we had to write, the, um, where I am from poems, because I'm not this, like, really reflective person who likes to think about myself. Sometimes I get, like, embarrassed or I, um, kind of, like, I'm a very outgoing person. I'll talk to people. I'm, like, the life of the party. I'm very social, but I'm, my intrapersonal, like, skills, they're kind of low. Like, I'm not one to, like, reflect about myself too hard or else I kind of get embarrassed about that. But yeah, I really appreciate you listening to this, um, Dr. Brewer. Thank you for the wonderful um, semester. I really enjoyed this class. Um, and it really taught me a lot, not just about other people, but about myself. Thank you.